This is bad country, isn't it, Curtis Robinson? It is bad country. It's, a, it, it, it's well, I won't it's go into it. it don't go country. into it. Yes, the bats yes, are yes, all yes, over yes. the place. I'm Dan Dunn. That's Curtis Robinson. This is the Hunter Gatherers podcast, and we are coming to you from Lono, which is a, an amazing place. I don't even want to call this a bar. This is a, uh, this is a happening, this giant room. It's, in kind the of heart. An, it's kind of an installation. Yeah. It's kind of an installation of a tiki bar, really. And it is, Lono, of course, is a, an homage to the, uh, the book The Curse of Lono by Hunter S. Thompson, which is what we do here on this podcast. We tell stories about Hunter S. Thompson. We, get, we bring in people who have great stories about Hunter S. Thompson, and we happen to have one of them with us here today. Curtis, do you want to do the intro? You know, um, when I was uh, working with Hunter for a long time, and uh, the idea of this podcast is, is to gather Hunter's stories, uh, we always marveled at uh, the fact that uh, someone had actually managed to make the Vegas book in, into a film. And with us today is uh, Stephen Nemeth, uh, the founder and uh, I guess CEO is the correct term of Rhino Films. Uh, it is affiliated with, but not the same as Rhino Music. It started as a division of Rhino. It started Rhino, as a, and, and, and um, I guess my first question to you, welcome. Uh, but my question would be, why you? I mean, this is a film uh, that uh, Scorsese wanted to make with Jack Nicholson, that, uh, that Belushi and Aykroyd wanted to make. Why, why you instead of them? How did you get it done? Well, I, I, for starters, I think mercifully it didn't get made when it got made because there wouldn't have been any historical perspective. And I think it got made in and around the time it should have gotten made. And mercifully, it, it, has, a, uh, it has legs because it's, so, it's prescient today. And uh, uh, had it been made then, I don't think it would have been far enough from the time that it actually had occurred to have had the impact that it currently does and I think it would have been forgotten but there was all sorts of other amazing stories that you know including um, uh, a guy named uh, Max Pilevsky who used to head the uh, Democratic Party he had hired Robert Downey Sr. to write the first draft years ago and there's so many great tales of people coming in and out of this movie and I was you know obviously been saying for years that the the, the chain of title for it is completely a publishable document with you know things you can't even imagine people taking you know money and drugs and this and that and thinking they own this movie um signed on you know contracts from you know the, the bar and in uh woody creek and the tavern and whatever um and why me i don't know i just knew that it was probably along with catcher in the rye my favorite book catcher in the rye would never get made uh as i was told and I said, if I'm going to make a movie out of any book right now, it's going to be Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And a friend of mine said, you know, Bill Stadium, I was telling you earlier, is, he's a food critic and a writer and very interesting guy. And he said, from North Carolina, North Carolina. And he said, Steve, the book's available. And I said, wow, that's kind of amazing. And he, How did he know? How would he know? Well, he was friendly with a woman named Layla, who was uh, one of the producers of the movie, who uh, had a relationship with Hunter, and she sort of navigated the the situation and because you need a guide you need a guide in hunterland she would be the be one of the best ones right i i i guess in, in any situation you you need uh i guess it's the trust it's the 
yeah, it's something along those lines, but I, and I, I suppose I didn't have the moxie to do it on my own. I probably couldn't have. But at the end of the day, um, he finally broke down and he, uh, he sent a, a fax in the middle of the night. It came in just after 4 o'clock in the morning on White House letterhead. And it said the good... <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have a voice track to it. <laughs> uh, I read it. You know, everybody has their Hunter S. Thompson impersonation. So you go ahead and do it. It's go ahead hard. and do it. It's kind of oh, hard not to do it with his voice. But it is. It is he hard. Said, uh, he said, the good doctor will see you now with an exclamation point. Uh, I require a suite at the Bel Air Hotel... Uh, $10,000 in cash in a brown paper bag and a Bugatti in an inconspicuous color. And I, you know, I just I knew at that moment I, uh, it was just a matter of negotiating. We'd, we'd, we'd have him. He ended up coming. Uh, he pocketed the travel money and hopped a ride on Don Johnson's plane. And he then came downstairs to meet us uh, for supper. Um, I, you know, at least ninety minutes late, but but you know, just just as you would. But expect. you're 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 the producer. You're you're there, so he's going to come down and kiss your ass, right? Uh, I don't know that he kisses anybody's ass. <laughs> no, with you. no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> though though, had I had I been requested to kiss his ass, uh, I don't think I would have done it. No, nah, nah. no, I'm not a big ass kisser. So he, so he comes down. Yeah, he comes down and. Uh, he says uh, he's got a he's in full tilt boogie. You know he's got the cigar, a cigarette holder, and the sunglasses, and the hat, and the Hawaiian shirt. He's got a he's got a Bloody Mary in his Converse sneakers, and he holds the, the glass. And he says, "Yeah, let's go get some more drinks." <laughs> and I guess the operant response would be, "Duh." And uh, so <laughs> we went to the to the dining. Uh, the 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 dining room in the hotel and there was three or four of us and we sat down and the waitress comes up and she says can i take your drink order and hunter chimes in and says uh yeah i'll take uh, three more of these uh and he, he mentioned the vodka i can't remember which one it was but it, oh god uh i should give a shout out to somebody <laughs> he mentioned some really really struggling cool small distillery yes yes someone uh, who would be someone good who to desperately be, uh, needs the shout out. sponsorship um, sponsorship is available i gotta say uh and he said and then he said i'll get three i need three of these he said i need three uh heinekens uh, give me a triple Chavez, but put it in a pretty glass. But, you know, gesturing with his hands. Like, yes, yes, you know, yes, like, yes. Uh, pretty glass. And I'd take a couple of bottles of the Schramsberg Blanc de Noir, his first drink order. We then ordered, you know, a, like a, a glass of Pinot Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, yeah, Hunter, uh, Hunter always ordered it like it was the last time he would ever see a wait staff person in his life. <laughs> yeah, but, he, he, but the, the good news is, I mean, he, ta- he, he at least had the good sense not to bring a, you know, to order a, you know, like a, a takeout bag with that order. You know, like, yeah. hey, bring me all this and put it in a, bo- a box yeah. to go. Um, but what happened was uh, shortly, then the, the, the woman took our order. She took off and he pulled out one of those cocaine grinders from the 80s. First time I'd ever seen one. <clears throat> <laughs> not how, how did how did you know what it was um well 
I'm pretty sure it wasn't. You must have thought he brought his own pepper or something. Well, I knew he was a baseball and a sports freak, so, but, so I thought maybe it could be the chalk that they oh, yeah. roll out. Oh, yeah, good. Very good. It could be, yeah. For the first baseline. Sure, that could have been. But I didn't think the chalk would be something that he'd be interested in snorting. So. Yeah, well, not at first. Anyhow, so he pulls out the, the grinder, and he's, and he's grinding it up, and he starts, you know, he starts mumbling, and he says, hey, pig fucker, to me. And I said, it's Steve, but, you know. We can go with pig fucker if that okay. suits you. It's a term of endearment, That's frankly. That's fine. Okay, pig fucker. Anyhow, uh, pig fucker. Um, yeah. Uh, he said, uh, we want some of this. I said, we just shouldn't really be doing this right now. And then he started mumbling again, and he said, can you get some adrenaline? I said, no, I don't, I don't have any adrenaline. He said, well... <laughs> If I can't get Nicholson on the phone and bring me some adrenaline, I'll have to call 911, pig fucker. And he starts grinding away at the restaurant, you know. And I'm, you know, I've seen things in my day, but I just, I'm not really ready to be incarcerated. So that was the first, that was our, that was the first meeting. That, that was, was the first started. meeting. Which also, is kind of how most Hollywood meetings start off, right? And oh, sure. Yes, oh, exactly. Huge yes. drink order and get yeah. out Cocaine there. grinders in the, in, the, in the restaurant. Right, yeah. and a request sure. for adrenaline. Um, <laughs> but he, the, the other thing is, is that the next morning after dinner, the woman in the office came in and she said, well, Hunter Thompson lost his rental car. And I said, well, that's odd. I mean, did he, did he get stolen? Did he wreck it? And she said, no, he lost it. I said, well, all right. Well, it turns out he literally went to a party and... I forgot he had a rental car, forgot where he left it. To he misplaced it. He misplaced his car. So I think a couple of days later, we were able to track it down. But I just love that he lost his rental car. I mean, that's a good... Can I ask you a question? If Hunter was still alive, would he Uber? Is it possible that Hunter would ever take an Uber? He wouldn't it, have to. There's it's possible that he would. want to drive him. I mean, God, it, we would all... Wouldn't we? It, it, yeah. It's hard to imagine. Your question is, is it possible? I'm saying yes, it's possible. You, you know, I would, I would, I was, Can you imagine being that Uber driver? Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't order it for himself. No. I mean, someone else would have to get it for him. No. Like, can you imagine being a Hunter Thompson's Uber driver? You just wheel in uh, Uber, you, Uber for Hunter. Uh, I oh thought, hell! I, I had thought he got the DUI in Aspen. You guys had clarified that it was a uh, driving with ability impaired. Yeah, driving, driving with ability. D W A I. Yeah, something like that. By the way, I'm I'm going to throw this out there. If everybody listening, we're talking about this DUI. We had a very spirited conversation about it on the previous version of the podcast that I forgot to record. The practice, but in the true, practice Hunter, version. you know what? If you're going to do a Hunter S. Thompson podcast, you should forget to record it at least one time, right? Yeah. See, this proves in if the we, spirit of Hunter. I fucked it up. If okay? we were if we were drunk, we would Fine. blame the drink. Yeah, but we're I not. I don't think if I had drunk. a cocaine grinder right now, I would not <laughs> have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, right. I would have been way more on point. See, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yes. There's no such I'm thing as a dry run in the Hunter <laughs> podcast. So, so Steve, let me ask you, man. When we, when you jump forward to the it's pig fucker in pig fucker. Normally, when you're making a movie to you, the yeah. writer engagement is probably minimal. Correct? Uh, no. You not so the, much. Oh, you mean the writer? The, of the, the book. writer of the book. Yeah. You know. Yes. Uh, and no, in this particular case, I mean, you're you're going to hear whatever he has to say, for sure. The first draft, by the way, that God, I can't even begin to tell you how many drafts were already done by the, by, since by the time I got it. But the draft we had commissioned was from Alex Cox and uh, Todd Davies, who was his then girlfriend and now wife, I believe. How'd that turn out? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll give the subtitles to this. For people, for people coming in who don't know, there is a famous, uh, at least in the hunter world, uh, video of Alex Cox and uh, I, 
I partially blame myself. I was such an Alex Cox fan. I was just fanboy because I loved Repo Man. I just loved it. I thought Sid and Nancy, right? What Sid, Alex Cox? Yeah. yeah. That, but, Straight to Hell. Great movies. Yeah, but yeah. but Repo Man, the guy who does Repo Man should be able to pull this off, right? So you I'm would like, think. oh, I'm talking him up, but I wasn't there. And again, he came into Hunterland without a guide. Uh, you can go see the video. and uh, uh, well, It's called you, Breakfast. The movie's called Breakfast with Hunter. And one of the things that was always, that always bugged Hunter was the suggestion, just the very suggestion that Ralph Steadman's artwork, which really is sort of, most people associate that with, with the book, but don't ever say to Hunter that, oh, no, that, no, the, no. that Ralph's artwork in any way, shape, or form enhanced that, that book, okay? Because he did not like that. He did not like when people suggested that it was a team effort or anything like that. And this is what happened in the video that in the Breakfast with Hunter thing. They came up and they were talking about uh, one of the more difficult scenes, which is Hunter in Circus Circus, with a he's seeing lizards, and they wanted to animate that. Yes. And they started talking and some about other things, it. and it does. Yeah. You you can Google it. I mean, and it, it, went, it doesn't it went, go well. It went south. The okay. short version is online. I've seen the long version, and all I can say is that you know you watch that. I mean, you've seen it, right? Oh my! We sent him there. Yeah. Yeah. We sent so, Alex. And by the way, Alex is no wallflower. I mean, to, for him to have been traumatized like that is... It was horrible. It, you know, I always say, you, you watch it, then, then afterwards you watch two or three snuff films just to bring yourself back from the, <laughs> from the mood. It's like, how did that go after that? So when he leaves what there... Does he, do? does he just basic- go back to the hotel and call you? No, I, I, I actually didn't hear from him that night. I, I, I know that, and I can't remember how I well, He was on it. with his lawyer. It just didn't go well. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's, a, I mean, you can Google it, right? It's online. There's about a 20. I think you can find it. You can go to Wayne Ewing Films. Wayne, Wayne Ewing, uh, one of my co-producers on films, and a, a, a fantastic uh, uh, Hunter Crony in his own right, and, of course, uh, a filmmaker, uh, he has this thing like a ninja thing where you forget he's there. I don't know how he does it, but you just forget he's there. And so, but yeah, he was there for the whole thing. And it's, you know. It's compelling. I would say that. If you're any fan of Hunter S. Thompson, do yourself a favor and watch this video because I can, you can see it starting to boil. And then and then you, uh, Todd, right? Todd was her name. Todd and Davis, she started yeah. to say, but everybody loves Ralph's drawings, and they're such a. And as she's saying that, and knowing Hunter, like I was like, oh no, this they, is not going to go they well. They did not like, have a guy. This is not going to go. And he calls Layla, and he starts, and but he starts freaking out about they're trying to throw my fucking shit in a Mickey Mouse thing. You think you're gonna goddamn gonna turn this into a fucking Mickey Mouse cartoon? I'll fucking kill you. And I'm like, oh my god, here we go. This is the See, end of the movie. I told you, everyone's got their Hunter thing. Just yeah. quite, everyone's got their Hunter impression. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's a good one. That's I like mine. Good. I think Stevens actually sounds like Rodney Dangerfield in a, in a bit. I'm just gonna oh. say. <laughs> you do a bit of a Rodney meets Hunter thing, right. which so I it's think like, it's kinda, like Rodney. Well, you think it's like Rodney Dangerfield doing his Hunter? I haven't heard yours yet, Curtis. Oh, it's early. Uh, okay, early. you know I'm going to do a real Hunter. Let me just. Let All right, let's see. We got right we, we got some actual now, Hunter. Yeah, I got Hunter. I he he sent me a, a voicemail after the movie. I think somebody must have after said, the movie after yeah, the movie somebody, came out. Somebody must, and it, it was a it was honestly it was a thank you note. I mean a thank you message, and I I, I feel a little bit guilty saving it because. I think it's kind of weird and lame to save things, but you know, it's Hunter and he's calling you and he's apologizing and thanking me. And Jesus, are you kidding? I'm never going to get this again. But uh, so here it is. Um, and, and by the way, may this be the, uh, you know, let the games begin. Anybody that's got a Hunter uh, voicemail, bring it on. Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, right, here we go. Hello. 
Got it on speaker? Uh, oh. Uh, speaker. Hang on. Oh, that's good. Thanks. No, it should. I just shouldn't oh, so that, now he's a technical model. No, it shouldn't. By the way, just for you, those of you listening at home, this is the sort of technical expertise you can come to expect <laughs> yes. on the Hunter Gatherers yes. podcast. When you come in here, it's like yes, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Where's if it goes it's, silent? It's the one thing we're never going to fuck up is we. I have a rum and a beer in front of me. That's yes, always going to happen. I, I'm only doing one beer. In full disclosure, because i got to pick my kids up at school shortly. All right, here, let's see. Yeah, you always want to limit your beer intake when you're picking up your kids. 9 a.m. July 1st. Hey, it's Terry Gilliam. Oh, oh, wrong, wrong email. That's a Terry Gilliam Terry Gilliam. Hello. Hello. Oh, man. All right. Hey, Steve, Terry Terry Gilliam, by the way, took over for Alex Cox. And by the way, and Terry was not happy in that email. So let's put a pin in that one. (laughs) We're not going to let. I kind of want to hear that one. I should tell you about my new podcast, Monty Python Stories. Uh, really? Okay. And by stories, I mean late night, uh, pissed off. uh, Mm -hmm. Uh You ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm ready. <laughs> there we go. All right. But that's Hunter. By the way, just so you know, Jay Bulger played Hunter in our newest version, the prequel to Fear and Loathing, which is called Fear and Loathing in Aspen. We shot it over the summer in, uh, in, in um, Silverton, Colorado. But we'll talk about that momentarily. Just, just a feast on this for a moment. Right, here we go. It's actually an apology, which is, or a thank you or something, which is uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, uh, hi, Hunter. Yeah, I'm over at the, uh... What? Sorry, I'm over at the... I don't tell them I won't get out until 5 in the morning. I want to thank you for, uh... making everything, uh... comfortable over here, and, uh, I think we did all right. Yeah, I've had, uh... extensive conversations with everybody involved. It seems to me that, uh, things are... On track. So, uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And, uh, I guess I'll see him last thing until, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, well, that will be there, uh, there a bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, yeah. You may delete. All right, so delete, delete my ass. I'm not deleting that. But he, uh, <laughs> that was actually, I, I, I misspoke. It was the, it was before we started shooting. After, after things for another story it's a little eerie isn't it you hear it and just kind of go man uh i miss getting some of those my, most of the ones you left me were threatening to kill me usually but uh, uh I, I don't there were not many nice ones i don't think he called me when he was in a good mood no no that, that that's, true. that's true but he, that one that one's nice i would hold on to that it was it was very sweet it was some yeah. it was uh, i don't know just it just meant something to me, strangely enough. What is it is true about Hunter? And you know, there's this big, bold, crazy persona, and that is who he was. I don't. There was no, wasn't putting that on. But I certainly had some moments with him, and I know you did, Curtis, probably way more than I did, where genuine, tender moments that you no, would not. Ne- never. Just you. It was just <laughs> you. You were the chosen Maybe one. Maybe it's because I have no pants on right now. I'm just <laughs> feeling it. a little bit, uh, feeling That's a little it. bit warm and fuzzy. You, no, you uh, gotta, gotta, I love they were few and far between, but there were times when you thought... Yeah, he was an authentic guy. In fact, the morning after he had died, I was on CNN because I guess they couldn't find anybody else available. It was raining that morning, and we were broadcasting it live from literally like a block from here on the CNN Tower. 
and they were asking me about Hunter. I said, you know, love him or hate him. At the end of the day, he just he's just an authentic guy. You know, he just was who he was. He 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 did not. He's the guy you think he is, essentially. But George Plimpton s- said Hunter Thompson is the only thing in America that comes as advertised. Well, that's exactly yeah. what I should have said. Yeah. And let me just re- rewrite history. Eventually, I said that. Yeah, at, the, at the current rate, in about three years, I won't be able to even like order lunch without actually quoting someone saying something about Hunter. So it's mm. not, not going to be good. It's, I, by the way, started the Plimpton documentary, and then he died four days later. Not because of that, though. No. Don't blame yourself. Remind me to not have you make a movie about me, Steve. Yeah, I want to live. I want to make it through Yeah, let's see who else died. Plimpton, it's a shame. It's like like Plimpton had those great stories about, was it Zaire when they went down? Yeah. Can I digress with the great Plimpton story? Yes. All right. So uh, I had the good fortune of knowing um, uh, Warren Beatty a bit, and I had uh, met Plimpton, where he took me to his home uh, the three you know beautiful brownstones that were next to each other on the east river he bought them for sixteen thousand bucks a piece one of them was where he ran the paris review so uh at his place where he showed me around and we drank a couple of bottles of white wine before walking down to petaluma restaurant um we got to know each other pretty well and he agreed to do the documentary and so i got home and i said to Beatty, um what was uh, give me a great plimpton story and he said well we had hired George to do Reds. He came over to my house and uh, came to the bar, and I said, can I make you a drink? And he said, yeah, that would be lovely, uh, uh, Warren. Thank you, Warren. He was strangely British, even though he's from, I think, Boston. Uh, yes, Warren. And Warren said, uh, what will it be? And he said, well, it'll be a martini, a martini. He said, all right, I'll make you a martini. He said, do you want an olive? And Plimpton said, I don't know. And... Beatty says, you don't know if you want an olive or not. You, you're, like, you're like a famous drinker and a martini man. Why don't you know if you want an olive or not? And Plimpton said, it never occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that story. I'm sorry, like Hunter, we cheated on you. Oh, one other great story, and Curtis, you definitely know this more than, better than I do, but allegedly they went to cover the fight in Zaire yeah. together and Hunter missed the fight this is true but you'll you'll clarify it in any event Plimpton literally uh, fills in for Hunter writes his piece on the fight and then bails out Hunter who couldn't didn't make the fight or wasn't in a good enough way to remember it and wrote the piece for Hunter by Plimpton as Hunter so you know about this story yes yes that's uh, that's a defensible Story. I'm not clear on the details, but yeah. uh, I do know that there was a, a bell of marijuana and floating in a pool involved. Mm. And uh, you remember the movie they made? Uh, and I forget the name of it. Uh, we were kings. It was king. When we were kings. When we were kings. Yeah, the doc was great. Uh, I once got to watch that where Hunter would pause it every few minutes mm-hmm. and tell us what he was doing then. And that narrative would support your story. Because <laughs> essentially, I mean, it's like going to the Super Bowl. Something that's, you know, Hunter was only showing up. Well, he passed out in the pool or something. Isn't that what he said? He was yeah. floating in the pool. Floating in the pool during the fight. But, yeah. I mean, he wasn't floating in the pool and missed his car. He was floating yeah. in the pool because he wasn't going to that damn fight. Yeah. And, you know, they, the, the whole thing where they wouldn't let him fly out and the king went crazy and someone got – it was uh, – 
It's great. By the way, yeah. I, I want to hear the, the actual story. I've just heard, I've pieced it together and I've sort of irresponsibly regurgitated it probably and very irresponsibly. I mean, very in, uh, incorrectly, but I also want somebody to tell me the actual story, uh, but I don't have time now because we're going to go. But it's great. Because picking up, no, I want people to tell me the story about how he duped Pat Buchanan into jumping into the limousine with, with uh, the presidential limousine with Nixon and, you know, blasted him in the Vietnam War when he promised he would only talk about sports. That that's a good story. <laughs> All right, that so might be yeah. a whole other episode. But I, before we yeah. before you got to go, Stephen, I want to. Yeah. So, actually, while making the movie, yeah, and you said you weren't on set. That I was not, a, not a lot because I had an I had another movie going at the same time called What Is Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And, it, and they were not, they were. Was, was Johnny was Johnny sort of managing Hunter at that point, or how, he, who was managing Hunter? Because somebody know, had to manage him, it, right? It, I, I, to the extent that you can manage him, I I, I don't know. Layla, maybe. I mean, may, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, at, at, um, uh, it was really a, a, God, I don't even know how to say it. Um, it was a very, very t t interesting and quite stressful time. But, but uh, um, in, I suppose in retrospect, it wasn't compromised. It was viewed as very true to the book. It was considered a very authentic movie. And that's why it has the legs it has today. And that's why it's holding up. Because it really wasn't compromised. It was... You know, it, it wasn't the most commercial movie it could have been at the time. Johnny became Hunter, which, you know, probably the most beautiful man in the world at the time, to pull, you know, locks of his own hair and recreate Hunter's actual balding pattern, having spent months and months with Hunter, wearing his clothes and driving his car in Colorado and, and learning and how to sleep, speak like him. Sleeping in his basement. Sleeping in his basement. He became Hunter, which is, you know, arguably the most amazing and 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 an incredible feat, uh, and very admirable from the point of view of you know, uh, of what a brilliant actor he is. But 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 I think there were so many people that wanted to see an interpretation of Hunter and something that was a little more accessible and something that was more marketable and something that didn't require subtitles. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's no point. question he bl he knocked it out of the park. He blew he he just killed it. But but it wasn't you know as accessible as it could have been, um, which turns out quite frankly, again in retrospect, to be a really good thing. That's how did how did Hunter feel about the movie? He I think he I think he actually liked it. He he dug it. Yeah. Yeah. Him and did yeah. he and uh, Terry Gilliam get along? Um, not at first, but I don't. I, uh, but I think they respect each other now. And Terry and I, Terry didn't like me until. Uh, but I had l dinner with him in Zurich about three or four years ago um, at the Zurich Film Festival, and we had dinner together. And it was extremely nice and lovely, and it was as though nothing. Had, there was no, you know, no history. It was nice. So, so when when Johnny was in that thing, when he was living in the basement, you'd go up to Hunters and you'd go in and like, uh, you would you would. Uh, walk in and like Johnny would be like doing the dishes or something he's like he like lived there and it was the strangest thing it was um, you know hi Colonel <laughs> we all called him Colonel because he became a Kentucky Colonel while he was there but uh, I remember being at the Woody Creek Tavern and uh, they came down in the Red Shark they come in and you know Hunter parked in the no parking zone out front like he did and uh, they both got out and it was when Johnny was it was at, toward the end and uh, Johnny had his jacket on and all that and then and, and then you know, some asshole, and it was me, said, look, it's before and after. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
And it was, it, he really nails him. And, you know, Looked just like him, yeah. Oh, yeah. And last thing before he goes, But that's got to be great if you're the producer yeah. to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it bald. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah. What, you yeah. got another movie going. Another Hunter movie. We haven't uh, even touched on this yet, right? We got, we got lots of Hunter movies going. But can we do a whole other segment on this? But uh, what we'll we do will. is... Uh, I'll leave you with, uh, I have the sequel and remake rights to Fear and Loathing, and we're going to animate that. So we'll do a whole deal on that. Don't don't tell Hunter that. Very exciting. Yeah. No, he, no, he, he, no he used to call them cartoons. Cartoons. I'm going to make a fucking cartoon. Fucking Mickey Mouse cartoon. Because uh, I had suggested it at the time. He said, I'm going to make a fucking cartoon. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was going to kill me, actually. Um, and uh, we are uh, prepping The Curse of Lono, which... Uh, will be hopefully shot in Hawaii probably April, May, or May and June. Um, the draft is lots and lots of fun. Um, I uh, just finished a, a really cool prequel to Fear and Loathing. Well, not just. I mean, it's in post. The movie's almost done. We shot it last summer in Silverton, Colorado. It's called Fear and Loathing in Aspen, and Bobby Kennedy uh, the third wrote and uh, directed the movie with uh, some really wonderful actors and a guy named Jay Bulger who plays Hunter and he's absolutely terrific. Um, and uh, that's a movie, by the way, it just I'm terribly excited about. When's that going to come out? Uh, we're, we'll premiere it either at, you know, Sundance or South by Southwest okay. or Tribeca or Venice or Cannes. It'll make a, it'll do a festival run and then we'll probably do some sort of interesting theatrical situation with it. Um, but I'm terribly proud of it. And... Uh, um, it's so prescient. It it it, it 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 is inspired by and really, you know, it is Hunter's run for sheriff in uh, Pritkin County in 1970. Uh, he wrote a piece for Hunter for uh, Rolling Stone called "Fear and Loathing in in Freak Power in the Rockies," um, and uh, that was our original title for the movie. But it's now called "Fear and Loathing in Aspen." It's just so much fun. It's so good. It's it's authentic and raw and deep and cool. Um, and very gonzo. Yeah, it's good to see. So it's it's good that that the politics of Hunter came up because you know he, uh, when you work in Washington, you realize that that uh, everyone there feels that that that's his legacy. Is it's a political legacy. I mean, they like Vegas, but you know everyone has read the campaign trail books, mm -hmm. and uh, it's interesting to 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 see that because you know his legacy in Aspen was really the political legacy. I mean, yeah. the, the the way Aspen is now. Uh, pretty much directly because of that. Yeah, there's so many, by the way, so many articles written now that, as you know, that he, he predicted what would happen with you know Trump in America, not necessarily. Read Trump that. Himself. Read that Nation piece from a couple of years ago when he uh, from he wrote about Hell's Angels mm -hmm. and how he basically called the rise of you know yeah, the one, thing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, one of the segments we'll probably do is. Uh, uh, what would Hunter say? And, you know, people ask me that all the time. What would Hunter say about Trump? And I'm like, well, go read what he said about George Wallace. Mm -hmm. It'd be similar. Yeah. God, he was, he was, you know, an American treasure. There's no question. But he knew, he understood populism. He understood, he understood the anger. Yeah. And by the way, you couldn't pigeonhole the guy. You know, Catherine Graham loved him and Bill Buckley loved him and everyone in between him. He just, just was such a unique character. Christopher Hitchens was oh, at Al yeah. Farm. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. The only time I ever saw Hunter get, Starstruck when you're mentioning all these people was Dylan, Bob Dylan. Yes. Oh, can yeah. I t can I reveal what you told me? Yeah. Sure, sure. Oh. God knows what I told you, but sure, why not? Uh, greatest piece of trivia. I think you told me. It may have been somebody else, but apparently, I like that Hunter, Hunter left his typewriter 
to Bob Dylan. I believe that to be true. Yes. I mean, I think that's just so beautiful. I never knew that until you told me about a week I ago. I like to think it's in Bob Dylan. Like, you walk in and Bob Dylan's got it on like a pedestal, and you like, everybody comes over and says, What the hell's that? He's like, That's Hunter Thompson's typewriter. That's <laughs> so cool. That is so cool. If that's not true, I don't want to know it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. You know what? Because it's a good story. It's, it's a great story. We are, we're declaring it true right now. So we're declaring guys, it you, true. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the uh, mic to some incredibly interesting and illustrious other folks here that are uh, okay. being entertained so nicely at Lono. Well, thanks so much for telling us this. And, I, and, God, and, I'm and, so I, I'm so sorry that you know it took you so long to set this thing up and you fucked up the audio because I would have. <laughs> Because I would have had more time, but I. <laughs> the best was we were recording something last night with Curtis, and he said, "You know, man, you're really good at this. Mm. You fucking jinxed me, dude." When I you did. said it, yeah. I did. I knew we, it was my we basically fault. I recorded an entire episode yeah. of this podcast yeah, uh, without recording it. Yeah. But Stephen Nemeth, Rhino Films, yeah. uh, tons Fear and Loathing in Aspen coming up. Fear, uh, Curse of Lono coming up. Animated Fear and Loathing. Animated up. Fear and Loathing. Uh, and to quote uh, the former governor of California, "I'll be back." <laughs> I'll be back. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, the southern gentleman hit the highway and gave us stories we could share of crooked schemes, shattered dreams of people everywhere. Road of whiskey screams and motel rooms where no one seemed to care. Road of deep, dark, secret places made us feel that we 